Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Linda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio show. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of our message today is How Can We Give and Give Thanks in Hard Times? I have my good friend Tom Bixer with me today on the show. Welcome to the show, Tom. This this podcast was actually Tom's idea, in fact, but he's far too humble to tell you that himself. Thank you for making the time to share your wisdom with the listeners today, Tom. I'm glad and honored to be here, Glenda. I just want us all to come together in love. To live life without love is too hard. In the end, it's not worth it without genuine love. So we're going to talk about making the best of bad situations. And I want to share a funny with y'all. This is called the top five hospital bloopers. Imagine yourself in the hospital and you're really ill and you hear this. This must be God's will for your life. Oh, like, did he tell you that? Remember, time heals all wounds. Wow, I hope that isn't why time has no end. So, what are your chances? Better than yours for encourager of the year. Things could be worse. Please do not elaborate on that. Gee, you have the same thing as my aunt had, but she died. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, no. You know, that's really funny. I mean, let's all not forget to have a sense of humor. Yeah. Good humor can lighten the heart, push back on spiritual oppression, and remind us all to just get real so we can be emotionally available to one another. So true. And you know, in the time we live in, we are going to need a sense of humor, y'all. So we're going to be talking about doing the holidays during hard times. For sure, the things we're going through this year are not a laughing matter, which is exactly why I thought we could all use a laugh. This holiday season will be unprecedented in some ways for our generation. We have the pandemic still going on, plus the circus going on in the White House, plus some are experiencing family members, well, let's just say not acting like family at all in regard to the current mandates. You you thought you had a family, now you don't kind of situations. But we don't want to talk about current events or the gloom of what's coming. We are sick to death of talking about all the injustice going on around us and happening to us because we can't fix that. I make it a practice to never dwell on things I cannot change. I prefer to look at what I can change, try to keep a positive attitude where I can make a real difference. When Glenda and I decided to put this together, we kind of struggled. We thought, what are people going through? We really thought about this. We want you to know we thought deeply about all of you. We're going to put the darkness on notice. We're going to fight for you and ask you to join us. The darkness wants to smother and suffocate. Let's put the darkness on notice. We did think about this at length and talked about it. And I think everyone I know feels so completely frustrated right now, seeing all the injustice, not being able to really affect it. It's a helpless feeling. To only be able to watch as everything that made your country great is being destroyed. And at the same time, here comes Thanksgiving where we're all supposed to make merry and smile and act like nothing's wrong. And I don't know about y'all, but I just cannot be that fake. I just can't. Everything is wrong. 
For sure. It's pressing in hard on all of us now. Amen. You know, our mutual friend, Ray Bergman, who runs the Innocence Redeemed blog and podcast. Hi, Ray. Hey, brother. Hit the nail on the head with his July 4th podcast about why he did not celebrate July 4th. And I stopped celebrating July 4th a long time ago, so it's the same for me. I cannot celebrate a country that condones the killing of the innocent and rejecting God and everything he stands for. And I tell you what, if you want to hear some good, solid teaching, check out Ray's podcast. It is phenomenal. I only listen to a few people regularly, Perry Stone, Robert Morris, and Ray Bergman. So that should tell you something about how solid and how good his teaching is. Nicole even listens to him now, and she only listens to a few teachers too. God only lets her listen to certain people. You can find Innocence Redeemed on Podbeam, or if you look online at innocenceredeemed.blog. Ray is very easy to listen to. I like to listen to him late in the evening when I'm winding down. Yeah, I've told Ray he has a voice kind of like the old Walter Cronkite. I mean, his (laughs) voice sounds solid and trustworthy, yet truly it is. I agree. He sounds totally trustworthy, but his voice to me is smoother than Cronkite's. So... We just want to tell y'all that Ray's podcast is well worth listening to, and you'll get a lot of revelation. Also, I was reading in Ezekiel recently, and I came across a passage that describes perfectly what Ray was talking about on July 4th. It talked about the sword being sharpened against Israel for sinning and turning away from the Lord. It's Ezekiel 21.10. It is sharpened to make a sore slaughter. It is furbished that it may glitter. Should we then make mirth? It contemneth the rod of my son as every tree. I had to look up what it contemneth the rod of my son as every tree meant. I looked at John Gill's exposition of the Bible online, and it says this, To cut easily and wound deeply and make a slaughter of men, like beasts for sacrifice, a sacrifice to the justice of God for their sins, and so acceptable to him. And it is he indeed that sharpens it or prepares the instruments of his vengeance whether Chaldeans or Romans or both, and gives them might and courage to execute his will with great keenness of wrath and fury. It is furbished that it may glitter, and so strike terror on those against whom it is drawn and for whom it is prepared, as glittering armor does. Should we then make mirth? Mirth is to sing and dance and feast and indulge in all kind of mirth and jolly. When this is the case, a drawn, sharp, glittering sword hangs over our our heads? Surely not. There is good reason for you to lament and sigh. So anyway, I won't read the rest of that because it's really long. But in other words, should we celebrate and make merry in the face of impending judgment? Israel had already been put on notice that they were under judgment, just as we also have. And that's kind of how I feel about the holidays. Not that we should ignore it or not celebrate. If you have loved ones you can celebrate with, that's a wonderful thing. But among the people I know, I don't think anyone's heart is really into it this year, or at least not anybody's who knows how late the hour is. I'm always up for eating a good turkey dinner, don't get me wrong, but I'm heartbroken over the current state of affairs, y'all. America is a mess. I know Thanksgiving is almost upon us, and I am an extremely thankful person naturally. I always have been. When you grow up in real poverty, you appreciate every little thing. When you know what it feels like to be hungry as you watch other people eat, when you smell the food at restaurants you cannot afford to buy, you appreciate when you do have food. And, and you never outgrow that. You always remember it. 
And I was reminded of something. I don't have a TV anymore because I don't watch TV now. But I used to watch the movie Little Women every so often. It's a wonderful classic story about a mom trying to take care of a bunch of daughters while the dad was away at war and all the problems they faced. At one point, the central character, Joe sells her beautiful long hair to get money to help out. Instead of grumbling and adding to the problems, Joe looked for a way to be part of the solution. Oh, yeah. Uh, the novel is even better than the movie. Did you know that its author, Louisa May Alcott, almost died of typhoid fever during the Civil War while serving as a nurse in the Union Army? Oh, wow. She, yeah, she hated injustice and misery and wrote about how the treatment of soldiers and those receiving medical care could be improved. Her heart for humanity was tender, and the 1868 novel Little Women is one of her finest achievements as a faith-filled overcomer. Back in that day, as a strong woman who desperately needed for her voice to be heard, she at first felt she needed to go with a nom de plume. She chose the masculine-sounding fake name of A.M. Barnard. Sounds like some big husky dog. <laughs> Not ladylike at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had no idea. Wow, I love stories like that. And I can't help thinking about all the people who have so much less and those who don't have enough to eat this year. Because, you know, some of that was shown in that movie. So many are out of work. Will they even have a Thanksgiving? And is there any way we can affect that at all to make things better for them? I have discovered over the years when things are not going all that great for you, find someone else who is even more in need and help them. And I wonder if that's part of why the widow with two mites did what she did. I think that might very well be the case with the widow. We know her heart was golden. So then, telling others not to grumble, to be cheerful and to give... And to give thanks without understanding what they might really be going through can alienate them. It's far better to talk about what we can do rather than just talking about what we can't do and how crummy everything is. So let's get down to it and acknowledge where we are. I agree. It's okay to acknowledge that we all feel stressed and uncertain. I think the difficult thing for me this holiday season is knowing what is coming but not when. I have trouble celebrating knowing that, and this holiday season is especially rough for all those who have lost jobs or whose hours have been cut, and I try not to even wonder what next year will bring. Yeah, and you know, I'll go on to say in agreement with you that I don't want to rehash the painful headlines we see. We can acknowledge them, but let's not dwell on what we already know. The times are dire. Do we really have to ask? How many are in the mood for a bucolic celebration of Thanksgiving, willing once again to stuff down how they really feel while pasting on a smiley face that reflects nothing true? Life these days looks like a far cry from those old Courier and Ives paintings or those old Norman Rockwell images from the Saturday Evening Post. And to add to that, I've heard from numerous people whose beloved family members are turning on them, even casting them out of their lives. That makes for a sad holiday season for so many. Family is the very essence of the happy holiday. This year especially, I feel like the person on that depression drug commercial that held up the smiley face on a stick in front of their face. Yeah, my friend, indeed. A smiley face on a stick, right? It's disturbing how so many have become confused as to who they are on one hand and what their true ideologies are on the other hand. The art of debate has been lost. So many have become their misguided ideologies, so to speak. So many have become intolerant of others 
who do not walk in lockstep with them. It's a frightful phenomenon to witness in spirit. Minds and spirits are literally being hijacked. Satan is a thief, after all. The injustices we're now witnessing are happening on too many levels to keep track of, much less for us to deal with spiritually and emotionally. And so I'll offer an answer. One size does not fit all. These are my thoughts to start with. We can reach out even in our own misery. We can do everything we possibly can to be patient. We can swallow our pride and be willing to do a little bit of dirty work. We can be willing to give even when we're fearing lack. We can be willing to bend in spirit without compromising the Lord's standards. We can examine in a bright, hard mirror any and all areas of bitterness in ourselves. We can examine in ourselves signs of becoming unforgiving about anything. We can give thanks when things seem especially dark, and we can think deeper and harder than ever about how to manage conflicts. But let's not just intellectualize it. That's way too easy. We can miss the mark if we only sit around and think. So let's take it leaps and bounds forward and put it into action. Let's be mindful and creative. Just because the devil is on the prowl, it doesn't mean we're frozen. Again, one size does not fit all. I once witnessed a pastor address his congregation affectionately but firmly as, quote unquote, the frozen chosen. It was because they were very good at prayer and they listened attentively to his sermons. But when it came to volunteering and rolling up sleeves and giving time and breaking a sweat, they weren't getting up off their behinds when the occasion clearly called for action. Way to go, Pastor. Decide to commit yourself to something regularly or on a one-time basis. The requirement is that this always has to include a goal to care for others, somehow or in some way. Don't ask for a solution. Be a solution. Here are some examples. If you live in an apartment building, clean the laundry room every week. Who cares if somebody else should be doing it? Just do it. Do something, anything, to beautify your neighborhood. Make prayer cards or print inspiring notes of faith and leave them anywhere it's appropriate. That would be in most places. Make Christmas tree ornaments for a nursing home. If you see some trash on the street, don't complain. Go pick it up. If it's simple and you want it done, then do it. Don't demand service from someone else. If someone shares something worthy, thank them. Neglect is hurtful. Volunteer at a soup kitchen or offer help to a food pantry. Make a complete meal and deliver it to an exhausted stay-at-home mom. Ask an elderly neighbor if you can pick up groceries for them. You know you're going out on Saturday anyway. If you're already out there snowblowing your walkway, then get radical and do the portion in front of your neighbor's house without asking them. If you're retired, offer to do something related to your area of expertise, such as, maybe, tutor a neighbor's child, help revamp someone's resume, offer to prepare someone's tax return, help someone look into social services, help someone shop for a used car because you know what to look for, make a new tradition, start a regular outing to the dollar store for your neighbor's little kids, or just anything to help busy parents. And if you have some money to spend, well then, what are you waiting for? 
doesn't it all belong to the Lord in the first place? It doesn't? Well, then, who exactly does it belong to? Yeah, you know, the Lord loves it when we help the elderly especially. Invite that widow or widower in your neighborhood to Thanksgiving dinner or for dessert and coffee after it. Or take them a plate if you see they are alone. Many single people like myself end up eating frozen turkey TV dinners, and those are not very good, y'all. And if someone is grieving, they are not going to feel like socializing, but they still have to eat. And that act of kindness is a very big deal in an elderly person's mind. Or to anyone who lives alone, for that matter, anyone. I remember years ago, I lived in Princeton in that townhouse, and a neighbor invited me to come have coffee and pie after Thanksgiving dinner. Lawanda is the sweetest person. I just love her. We are still friends today. I just heard from her this week, and even though she lives in Texas and I live here, she invited me to Thanksgiving. She is a precious friend to me. We keep up through text and phone calls, and I miss seeing her and the girls and talking to them in person. If someone in your neighborhood is super busy or not feeling the best, walk their dog for them so they don't have to go out. Single, divorced, and widowed people often have no one else to help them do anything. They will welcome the help. If you're handy with tools and fixing things, volunteer to help that single mom or elderly neighbor who lives alone. I can tell you from experience as a 61-year-old woman that there is always something that needs fixing or that you could use help with, but there is not always money to pay someone to do it. And as older folks, we just don't have the physical strength to do it anymore. Share today's newspaper after you read it with your neighbor who may not be able to afford a subscription. And speaking of nursing care homes, if you have musical talent, get permission to go there and sing to the residents during their evening meal. I will never forget talking to someone who worked at my mom's care home many years ago when they told me there are families who literally just dump their elderly relatives off and they never go back and visit them. I wanted to cry. I wanted to cry for every one of those precious souls who was so unappreciated and undervalued. You cannot imagine the loneliness of an elderly person who has been dumped off to die by a family who sees them as burdensome and unwelcome. They are ever so grateful for any entertainment or conversation at all. Their days can be quite monotonous and lonely. There are so many ways to make a difference there, and many of those residents have nobody, y'all. Can you imagine not having anybody in the world that cared if you died tonight? They can. I got permission to go preach at my mom's care home, more than once, in fact. And I told somebody else about it who was an Elvis impersonator. I cannot make this stuff up, y'all. And he went and performed for them for free, and they were delighted. They were so grateful for anything at all. Something as simple as pulling somebody's trash can back up to their house in cold weather is a big deal to an older person who may suffer horrific pain just trying to get out to the curb and back, and who is literally risking life and limb trying to navigate slippery sidewalks in icy or wet weather, and who maybe just doesn't feel their best that day. Arthritis makes everything so much more difficult. Plus, falls are the number one reason why people are admitted to nursing homes. No older person wants to fall, and as you get older, your balance is not as good. Something that's easy for you may be a really hard thing for them to do, and they will appreciate you doing it. Wow, yeah, you know, all of this can seem to be enormously difficult to internalize, much less put into action. When we're already beleaguered and trying to live humble and productive lives and just trying to keep things hanging together. But I say seems because once you reach out, your heart will soar and the energy will be there. In the meantime, the challenges, at least for now, are increasing and will continue to increase. 
but hardly anybody is too busy not to do something for somebody else outside their comfort zone. We have to fight back by breaking through malaise and perceived barriers. Isolation is a tool the enemy has been using all too successfully. The fight is real. Fighting back is worthy and full of merit in the eyes of the Lord. I completely agree. We can all find some kindness to do for somebody. Just watch for a need or be aware and notice if someone is struggling or seems down. Sometimes just smiling and greeting others is a big deal to them. We are to be the light in a world that grows darker each day. We have Jesus, so we know where to find more light, but many do not know him yet, and they've been walking in darkness for years. Our kindness, no matter how small, not only helps another, but may shine a little light into a life that is otherwise dark as midnight. They may be about to give up, y'all, and your smile may be the thing that keeps them hanging on a little bit longer. I can tell you from experience that any loneliness you feel is magnified horribly this time of year as families gather to love on each other and share, you know, a lovely meal or at Christmas to exchange gifts. When you are sitting alone with your frozen TV dinner in a big quiet house, you feel how alone you are and it makes you feel very unloved. And if we feel this bad about the holidays and we still have enough, imagine how much more miserable the poor and needy are. They are dealing with all of this plus poverty. And if you've never lived in poverty, I have, and it is not any fun. It is, I don't even know what to call it. It's so harsh and unyielding. Everything is so miserable. And many of them have major health issues on top of that. Yeah, that can be on another level altogether. You know, I've got a few food pantry stories to share in a little bit here. But first, I want to briefly address personal loss during the holidays which seems to be such a common occurrence each season. My excellent brother in Christ, Adam, wrote to me recently and recollected when his mom suddenly passed away. He says it's okay to share this with you. Many of you here knew of this when our brother reached out. It was just about a week before Christmas, nearly four years ago in 2017. Suddenly, our brother was left with taking care of his younger brother, who needed lots of company and comfort. The stress was so great, the loss was so painful, yet our brother never wavered in his faith. In fact, through his pain and all the challenges associated with settling an estate under less than convenient circumstances, he rose up brighter than ever. Very importantly, he reached out to his brothers and sisters in faith. Just so you know, he and his brother have done absolutely great. And so much since then has been accomplished through him for the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. So let's look at a couple of verses here. Leviticus 22:29. Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Also, 1 Chronicles 16:34. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. I will also share that a brother in my church early last week was found dead in his home following a police welfare check after he didn't report to work. He had passed in his sleep. His father has been gone for many years. He has one surviving brother. Their mother is now age 90. His name was also Tom. He was only in his early 60s. This is an opportunity for the community to rise up. Imagine losing your son or your brother 
right before Thanksgiving and wondering why at age 90 you're still here and not him. That feels like outrageous injustice to me from a purely human perspective. Who could possibly not feel that, even when their faith is strong? I could not agree more. That is terrible. To lose a child, especially right before the holidays, I cannot even imagine being able to breathe through that. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure Anne, Tom's mother, has felt breathless. In fact, Pastor's wife wrote to the entire congregation and testified that Tom had spoken to her within two weeks of his passing, expressing great concern and almost pleading for the church to look after his mother if something should happen to him. That dear man knew he was about to be called home. One way to address our own heartaches, although it may only relieve them for periods of time, is to focus on what we can do for people who have had it a whole lot rougher than we have. We don't have to understand their whole life story or be their saviors, but we can show genuine interest in them and be what I call modest ministers of mercy. Mercy counts. It's powerful, even in the little humble things we can do. As ugly as things might get, there's always someone else in worse trouble. And you know what? When you encounter people who want to thwart you in your mission, sometimes you will have to push them aside. Do not let them steer you off course. Then move on confidently with the Lord on your side. Nobody can stop you with the king of the universe on your side. Think about this. Block them from your phone. Put them on notice. Do not respond to their wicked emails or their disturbing text messages. Sever ties with them if necessary. I mean it, guys. I'm not kidding. I'm living this right now. But if I can do it, you can do it too. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I cut toxic people off and move on. We all should. It's a matter of protecting your mental health and well-being. And just knowing someone else cares even a little bit is a great comfort to you when you are so alone. But yeah, the toxic people, they gotta go. Yeah, for sure. And now I've, I've got a few true stories to share with you from the small food pantry that I help run with my friends Sandy, Pat, and Jan. I'll tell you about a, a few of these people who come to us regularly for, for provision. I'll start with Miss Belinda. Belinda loves to be loved, has so much to share, but she admittedly makes poor decisions and she knows she grasps after things. She has so many regrets, yet has one of the most cheerful personalities I've ever encountered. She could have had a great modest retirement as a former school custodian, but now lives in poverty in her 70s. Why? It's a combination of things, but 90% of it has to do with having nobody there who cared to give her the time of day. She has no surviving family members. Zero. She's not only been ignored, but she's been abused. It's also true that the spirit of pride within her can hold her back. But don't we all have that monkey on our backs? Belinda is one of the sweetest ladies you might ever meet. But if you try to give her good advice, don't get your feelings hurt. Be prepared to be hurt and to feel rejected if she doesn't follow through. It doesn't mean she doesn't love you. Belinda is a beautiful soul in need of liberation from bondage that only the Lord can offer her but she still manages to do many things to make this world better. Oh, and then there's Mr. Jim, unassuming Jim. He's a man who believes he's been defeated. How can a man be defeated? Well, 
The enemy has myriad ways of wounding a good soul. Jim is never offensive in any way, but in his eyes there's a deep sadness that nobody really knows much about. Thus, I'm always running to the fridge at the church and getting him bottles of water and engaging him in some friendly talk while he shops for the items that he needs. This is a tactic on my part to slow him down so that he won't just grab his box of food and run away. Often, he will flat out deny what he needs. He says other people might need it more. Can you imagine that? Um, he has... He has become a friend over a period of nearly 10 years, and he doesn't want to trouble me. Trouble me? Like, how is he in any way troubling me? He's so much stronger than he believes he is. He told us a couple of years ago that black olives are a treat for him. Since then, each month he gets a bunch of them in his box. We asked him if there's anything else off the list we can get for him. He's truly convinced he's not worthy to ask for more, but he certainly is worthy. Jim's always the first to show up on Saturdays. It's not Saturday morning unless Jim shows up. He's a perfect gentleman, always clean-shaven, a gentle spirit. He has very little to give, yet he shies away from taking. Jim is, he's a tortured soul. Ms. Lila, dear Lila lost her husband, the love of her life, several years ago. He was a Korean War veteran who got cancer behind one of his eyes as a result of exposure to ionizing radiation when he was a soldier. She's now past age 80. When she lost her dearest love, she nearly went mad. Lila has anger issues, and I want to say, don't we all sometimes? She wears her heart on her sleeve, so much so that she tends to annoy others. I've overheard others talking bad about her, losing patience with her, but they just don't know Lila's heart. I and another friend of mine have in the past been able to sit with Lila when she goes off on crying rants. Do I get annoyed with her? Well, you bet I do. Yet I still love Lila. Ever since 2012, when she first came into my life, while her aging husband was in home hospice care, and she needed help organizing papers and bills. Our hearts break for her. She doesn't drive anymore. Thus, I don't see her face to face these days. She now gets food delivered to her at her apartment. This reminds me to think about something small but special we can put in her box to let her know we're thinking of here. So anyway, here are a couple of verses to consider. I really like these from the New King James Version. They come from Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Talking about holidays, I want to share a story with y'all. I've shared this before, I think, a long time ago. This is an early About Life column I wrote about an event years before I was saved. A true story of where I took my children one Thanksgiving instead of over to my boyfriend's parents' house, which we called the mansion, for Thanksgiving dinner. They were getting a little bit materialistic, having most anything they wanted, and both being in honors classes. They were good kids, don't get me wrong. They spent about three hours a night, uh, every weeknight, doing their homework very diligently, plus they both played sports. So anyway, I thought a refresher course on the fact that so many others have nothing at all might be helpful to bring their little feet back down to the ground. I wanted them to always remember where they came from and appreciate anything they were blessed with along the way. It's called About Life, the Best Thanksgiving Yet. 
And this is a quote by Epictetus. He is a wise man who does not grieve for the things which he has not, but rejoices for those which he has. They lived a comfortable life in the upscale part of town. The children were teen and preteen then and had most anything their hearts desired. They had begun to recite their Christmas expectations of late, never doubting their every wish would be fulfilled. The woman had begun to notice a jaded air they had about the things they owned and the lifestyle they lived. Her thoughts turned to earlier years, years when they had lived far from the laugh of comfort. As she watched her children go off to school that morning, her thoughts rushed ahead to the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday. Off they would all go to the mansion, where close relatives lived in luxury, where every comfort and convenience abounded. The woman thought back to her childhood, and she remembered bearer Thanksgiving days. There was food, but sometimes the house was cold, the clothing old and tattered. Always, though, there were smiles and hugs, no jaded looks or boredom like she now saw in the eyes of her children. The following week on Thanksgiving morning, the children rose and dressed for the festive occasion, then presented themselves for the ride to the mansion, already anticipating the smell of roasting turkey, pumpkin pie, and other holiday treats. Every year it was a contest to outdo the previous one with every possible treat served under a crystal chandelier on the finest china. Every year they would proclaim, this was our best Thanksgiving yet. When the woman turned the car in the other direction, eyebrows raised and the children began to question why their feast was being delayed. Across town, she pulled the car into the local Mission House parking lot and took the children inside, explaining they would share this Thanksgiving dinner with those less fortunate than themselves. Making her way back to the kitchen area of the building, she removed her many diamonds and bangles, washed her hands, and began deboning turkey with the other ladies, who stared, clearly shocked at her presence. Her very surprised children were directed to help serve plates to the hungry waiting in the dining area. At first, the children were subdued, not understanding why they were not being allowed to enjoy their normal feast with their own family. All throughout the meal, they worked side by side, the woman helping with food preparation and the children serving. By the time two hours had passed, the look on her children's faces was something akin to awe. It was as though a light had come on in their spirits. Suddenly, their understanding was enlightened, and they knew. As they returned again and again to the kitchen area to fill more plates of food for the hungry they were serving, they began to relate stories. Stories about those down on their luck. Stories those they served told of having lost it all. Stories of being homeless jobless, and without hope. Stories of hope-filled words they had begun to speak to those who had so much less, but appreciated it so much more. As they left hours later to return to their home after having eaten their Thanksgiving meal on paper plates with those who had so little, the woman smiled at the change she saw. They came, they served, they saw, and now they understood. They understood just how blessed their lives really were, how much they really had to be thankful for. The best was yet to come, however, as one of them looked at the mother and said, I think this was our best Thanksgiving yet, Mom. A thankful heart is a happy heart. You know, I usually don't get invited any place for holiday dinners, none of my family being nearby. But I will tell you, if I had it my way, if I could, I would spend every single Thanksgiving day feeding those in need, and it would be my absolute pleasure to do so. To me, that is the best way to be thankful and to show God we are thankful by giving what we can to those in need, even if that's our time or our smiles or whatever it is. Nothing warms your heart faster than reaching out your hand to help someone who really needs help and really appreciates it. 
To me, big holiday gatherings are too full of mindless chatter, and I feel out of place there. I would rather go work in the soup kitchen. You've got that right. I'd rather eat a blessed bowl of oatmeal, alone and in peace, than a Thanksgiving feast in the presence of others in a house full of strife. Proverbs 17.1 comes readily to mind. Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than an house full of sacrifices with strife. Oh, amen. I will take a bowl of oatmeal in the quiet of my own home over a house of strife any day. Any day. Where do y'all think Jesus would be on Turkey Day? Well, I'll volunteer an answer here. He was cordially invited to come to Food Pantry Distribution Day at my church yesterday morning, November 20th. And did he ever show up? We don't have the manpower at this time to serve up a hot meal, but we've got a big stand-up freezer that can hold lots of turkeys. So then we also gave out pantry provisions for stuffing, gravy, candied yams, and cranberry sauce. Then one of our dedicated team members, hey Marie, put out a big sack of white potatoes and another big sack of white onions. And each family also got a fresh pie or two from the bakery to take home. Our patrons in need were so joyful, so thankful. A couple of them began to cry as we wheeled their stuff out to their cars and helped them load up all their goodies. Everything went so smoothly. In fact, every single person or family who had requested Thanksgiving provisions in advance showed up either early or just on time. And I've never seen my team work so efficiently, so harmoniously, or with more cheer. There were just smiles from ear to ear. I know the Lord was there, helping us along, and keeping up our energy. I mean, I'm going to be 58 next year, and I'm one of the youngest members of the pantry team, except for my 21-year-old son. (laughs) This kind of joy reminds me of an old movie my son liked that I used to put on often called Because of Winn-Dixie, about a motley rescued dog and a motley group of friends who set up a party at a messy old lady's garden. The elderly host of the party is an overcomer, a nearly blind eccentric and recovered alcoholic named Gloria Dump. Her character was played brilliantly by the late, great Cicely Tyson. Dump gave an opening blessing that went exactly like this, and it's beautiful. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we have egg salad sandwiches, we got Dump's punch, we got pickles, we got doggy pictures, and we have litmus lozenges, but more importantly, dear Lord, we have good friends. Dear Lord, we got good friends to share this warm summer night with, and for that, we're grateful. Teach us, dear Lord, to love one another. This we ask in your name. Amen. I love that story, and I love her prayer. Oh, it, it, it is a, it's a fabulous story. You all have to just go rent that movie, okay? Now, <laughs> you know, it, it, it really does make the tears want to come, for sure. And I want to offer just one last word of praise and testimony. It's about money. But it goes so much deeper than that. My parish at church is small, but some of the monies to carry out extra giving have seemingly appeared out of nowhere. It's exciting because now we've collected during this present season enough to do similar outreach with meats and extras for Christmas, and then later in 2022, Easter, and then a special summer barbecue care package in July or August. This is above and beyond our regular budget. I mean, wow, I've since written 
A special letter of thanks and deep gratitude to the parish and for all of our hardworking and dedicated pantry team members. And joyfully, I was just notified that my letter is going in both the online and paper church bulletins immediately following Thanksgiving. Praise be to Jesus. Now, when Jesus shows up, that's real class, guys. Jesus should be invited to be with us in everything, and I mean everything we do. I can't think of being in better company, can you? I definitely cannot. What an honor that they're going to publish your letter. I love that. Everybody's going to read it. Please email me a copy when you get that paper. I sure will. You know, Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Tom, thank you so much for sharing this podcast idea and for all your hard work on it and for inspiring us with the stories of the food pantry. That makes me want to run over to your food pantry and go help and for making time to share your wisdom with the listeners. Oh, you're so very welcome, Glenda. It's always my absolute pleasure. Well, I pray that you're all blessed this Thanksgiving with a really good meal to eat, but that no matter what you are eating or with whom, that you are truly thankful for all you have. I want to say a prayer for all of you in closing. Lord Jesus, we offer thanksgiving today for your amazing love and sacrifice for us on the cross at Calvary, first of all. We praise you for every loved one we have and every one we have had in the past. They all added to who we are today. We thank you, Lord God, for food to eat, fresh water to drink, and safe shelter. We praise you for fresh revelation and for the incredible privilege of declaring your name and your holy word openly. Lord, as we go through our week, give us eyes to see those in need around us. Point out to us opportunities to help others, even in tiny ways, and to serve those most in need. You are the greatest king of all time, and yet you washed feet when you were down here among men. Surely we can humble ourselves and wash a foot here and there too. Fill all those who serve with joy, Lord God, and help us to think more often about others and less often about ourselves. Reach through us and love all those around us, Lord God. Help them to see you in all we do. In your holy and magnificent name, we ask this. Amen. Amen. Jesus bless you. Thanks for listening. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas 72539, or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Sidewalk Flowers Volume 1 is a collection of 58 short inspirational readings that will uplift, comfort, and encourage readers from every walk of life. Sidewalk Flowers includes inspirational tales and topics taken from the lives of everyday people who exhibited extraordinary wisdom, kindness, and courage while traveling the sidewalks of life. Get your copy of Sidewalk Flowers Volume 1 today, available in print and new audiobook. Sidewalk Flowers Volume 1 by Glenda Lomax, available on Amazon.com, in print or new audiobook. There is no one on earth who has not been wronged at some time in their life. 
Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has been hurt by someone. The pain you have suffered does not make you special. It is what you do with that pain that sets you apart. Life can make you bitter or it can make you better. You choose. The only difference between the two is the I. Do you know someone suffering from domestic violence or another form of abuse like verbal abuse? Did you know abuse has deep spiritual roots that cause abuse to be attracted to a person throughout their lifetime? Now, the Escaping Abuse Study Guide helps you discover and remove those spiritual roots so you won't be an abuse magnet. Get the Escaping Abuse Study Guide or get one for a friend. Available now on Amazon.com. Escaping Abuse Study Guide by Glenda Lomax. Available now on Amazon.com. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will at some point encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas cost you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook, The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com. Sold out for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus 21:32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bondservant. Precious Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap? 